You ready? Yes. So I'm going to do something a little different that I haven't done yet. Ooh. I have two episodes locked and loaded. I'm so excited. You get to pick. Oh, yes. I figured you would like that. Your categories are <laughs> two airplanes crashing. The fact that you giggled at two airplanes crashing like that. <laughs> so I'm just excited. With no other information. <laughs> two airplanes crashing or a radiation incident. Radiation. Reminds me of The Simpsons. Um, okay. Well, that's unfortunate because I actually didn't finish that one. So we're doing two airplanes. Oh! <laughs> you my, said you did not have a choice. No, my goal was to have them both ready and let you pick. And yeah. then I went and saw my best friend's baby today instead of finishing it. You know what? So, and that's fine. Yeah. yeah. It, I thought I would get home in time. I did not. So yeah, I guess we're doing airplanes then. Let's do it. Let's... <laughs> airplanes crash so in this episode we're talking about two 747 passenger jets that crash into each other in one of the most deadly airplane accidents in history but what separates this disaster from other airplane collisions is that this one happens while both planes are still on the runway this was the tenerife airport disaster in 1977 i'm ian and i'm liv and this is disaster hour And that was the start of Liv's trust issues. I did <laughs> you said, ah, ah. Gotcha. I was just thinking of The Simpsons, because I've been wanting to watch The Simpsons movie with the radiation and like, epa, epa. Doesn't Homer work at a nuclear power plant? Yeah. And someone pointed it out. He would have to be so smart. What did he do there? I don't know. Well, I guess if you do anything there, you have to be so smart. Yeah. I don't know. I got nothing because trying to think about Homer Simpson being that smart doesn't compute. When I think about him at work, I think of him sitting on a chair and then spinning around in it. With donuts. Yeah. <laughs> donuts. Mm, donuts. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, this is the Tenerife Airport disaster. Have you heard about it before? No. Yeah, it happens on the runway. That, how? I, yeah, no. <laughs> um, do you want to take a stab at how it happened? Both of the pilots weren't piloting they just left it on co-pilot and they were like you mean autopilot yeah because there were co-pilots in both of the planes too (laughs) and they were listening to edm yeah yeah that's the is not fleetwood mac it's the remix you didn't let me finish i forgot fleetwood mac do they remix fleetwood mac they should there's they should not there's no doubt no no i'm not saying like oh they should but i'm saying like oh they they should no, I still disagree. Fleetwood Mac does not need touched. Well, now tell that to DJs in like every bar that you've ever been to. Why do we still have DJs? I don't know. Just play a jukebox. Or just get your Spotify playlist and go. We were just talking about this with like wedding party DJs. No. Yeah. Just you know. play us. Here's a playlist. Play that. <laughs> All right. So the Tenerife Airport disaster takes place on March 27th, 1977 on the island of Tenerife which is part of the Canary Islands. The Canary Islands are actually just off the coast of Morocco. They're a chain of islands similar to Hawaii. Didn't know about them until now. And they're an autonomous community of Spain. This means that the islands have their own government, but are still a part of Spain, I think. I think it's like how the U.S. and Puerto Rico are related. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, honestly, though. Mm. Uh, but it's a popular vacation destination. It looks awesome. Yeah. I think I've heard of the Canary Islands specifically because I remember the name and I like the bird. Well, on March 27th, <laughs> the two flights involved in the crash were Pan Am Flight 1736, 
which was en route to Grand Canaria from New York City, and KLM Flight 4805. This flight had left Amsterdam for Grand Canaria. Both are 747s. These are the really big passenger jets with mm-hmm. two floors, uh, and each wing has two jet engines on it, so Ugh. big. Air Force One is actually a 747. Oh, really? Yes. I sadly only know this because Air Force One was in Iron Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right, and I know it's And it seen... gets blown up. Yeah, and they're holding on to like, yeah, yeah they're making, yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Is that a Christmas movie? No. You don't think so? No. It's kind of like Die Hard? It's, it's an Iron Man movie. Yeah, but it's Christmas, set in Christmas is, time. There's a tree at one point during it. He makes the little grenades out of the ornaments, which oh, that I was think cool. is really cool. That's Honestly, really... we could call that a Christmas movie. I'm, I'm not gonna, against it. I think I'm going to call it a Christmas movie because it's fun and Christmassy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a Christmas movie. Yes. You heard it here first. Iron Man 3 is <laughs> officially a, cr- a Christmas movie. <laughs> we lose like half our listeners. Yeah, no. <laughs> We're, we drop. Wow. That was a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> Someone writes a zero stars. They're like, <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm I'm pretty pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So Pan Am, which was short for Pan American Airlines, was one of the first major U.S. airlines. Pan Am was actually the first worldwide airline, but sadly it went bankrupt in 91. I was going to ask if you had any information of what happened to Pan Am, because I feel like that's like a whole... It went bankrupt in 1991. Yeah, but I'm, I'm curious on why, because it was so popular. It was like all over the media and stuff like that. That movie, Catch Me If You Can. like There is information on it out there. Yeah, um, I'll probably look that up on my very own. Very boring for me. Yeah. see, I, I Involved be... no explosions. It was so popular. Everyone wanted to be a Pan Am like flight attendant or fly Pan Am. And even like people still mention it. They're like, oh, Pan Am. So I'm just curious. Again, this shows how uncultured I am. (laughs) When I first saw Pan Am, I thought, isn't that what they called America in the Hunger Games? But that's Pan Am. (laughs) Not my best moment, I'm aware. So yeah, right, right. Already, my uh, my views of history are mm-hmm. shaped by Iron Man three and the Hunger Games. <laughs> we were just talking about the Hunger Games too. That's how I learned. Yeah. So yeah, Pan Am, everybody. <laughs> Yay. KLM, on the other hand, was a Dutch airline that was based out of the Netherlands. KLM is an abbreviation for the airline, which was two Dutch words that had almost as many consonants as Russian words do. So I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> So we're just calling it KLM. There you go. KLM merged with Air France in 2004. Mm. So these are the two flights involved in the crash. Now, again, the kicker of it all, this crash happens on the runway. But how does that happen? (laughs) Who knows? Ian does. So KLM was at the end of the runway and begins heading down the runway, picking up speed to take off. Pan Am, however, was also on the runway, taxiing toward KLM. Pan Am wasn't supposed to be there, though. And KLM wasn't supposed to take off yet. But by the time KLM realizes that Pan Am's in their way, it's too late. KLM attempts to take off, but instead they fly directly into Pan Am and then crash back down on the runway and explode. Oh my god. 583 people (gasps) will die from this. Holy shit. That's a lot of people to die on a runway. In both Combined, yeah. Okay. Yep. So how the fuck does this happen? Well, on the day of March 7th, 1977... Both flights had been scheduled to land at Grand Canaria Airport. Again, Grand Canaria is one of the islands in the Canaries. However, on that day, someone had called in a bomb threat to the Grand Canaria Airport. And at 1.15 that afternoon, the bomb actually exploded. Oh, shit. Yeah. Nobody died, 
but eight people were injured at the airport. Was it like in the airport or like in the terminal? Isn't that the same same thing? thing? Yeah, I said it and then I went, "Mm, mm mm-hmm. The terminal is part of the airport. Or I think I'm thinking of like where the terminal is a Tom Hanks movie from like 2002 where he's an immigrant and then has to stay in the airport for like a month or something. I just love Tom Hanks when he's in airplanes and movies. How many airplane movies with Tom Hanks have there been? Sully, the terminal, the terminal, Sully, catch me if you can. That's Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, but with Tom Hanks. Oh, was he in that? Mm -hmm. He was the guy who's trying to catch him if he could. If he can. (laughs) Wasn't that movie, didn't we just find out that that movie was based on pretty much a lie? It was all fake. And then everyone yeah, was so guy. surprised. Like, but he was a con artist. You're surprised at this, that what he was he conning was us fake. all into believing that he did cool shit and he oh, did not. Crazy. Yeah. So the bomb goes off and it had been planted by the Canary Islands Independence Movement. From my understanding, this was just a group that wanted the Canary Islands to have their freedom from Spain. Oh, so they decided to blow up a airport? I don't know, man. I'm not a terrorist. Makes zero fucking sense. I mean, I'm with you. Um, But this is what eventually would lead to the islands becoming autonomous communities of Spain. So It didn't even work. Yeah, I don't listen, I don't know. Well, after the bomb goes off, the airport is closed temporarily, and all flights are redirected to Los Rodeos Airport on Tenerife, which is the next island over from Gran Canaria. Mm. Pan Am actually had enough fuel for another one to two hours, and the captain wanted to circle Gran Canaria until the threat was resolved, instead of landing on another island and then having to make another flight back to Gran Canaria. But air traffic control said, nope, go to Los Rodeos, this could take all day. Gotcha. So they had to. Now, the Los Rodeos Airport on Tenerife is much smaller than the Gran Canaria Airport. There is only one runway with only one taxiway that runs parallel to the runway. The taxiway is the lane designated for airplanes to slowly travel to the end of the runway so they don't get in the way of planes taking off and landing. Okay. But Los Rodeos Airport was overwhelmed by all the flights that had landed, and it didn't have enough space for all of these planes to park. There were five large airliners, like KLM and Pan Am there, Mm -hmm. plus other smaller airplanes. So all of the planes that were diverted to Los Rodeos end up using the taxiway as a parking space. And instead of taxiing on the taxiway, the planes had to taxi down the runway. Oh, okay. This is called a back taxi. Mm -hmm. This will eventually make taking off a longer process than normal, since only one plane can back taxi down the runway, then take off before another plane can begin back taxiing down the runway. That's annoying. Hashtag first world problems. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is what I was texting you about earlier. Yeah. My favorite hashtag first world problem was all of the $100 fish in my saltwater aquarium keep eating all the $500 fish. (laughs) I remember reading that and laughing about that for days because it's so stupid. When you told me to like look up one, I thought you were talking about like personal experience. So I remember me being like not pissed just like annoyed that everybody was getting airpods and I'm stuck with like the the ones with just like this like the strings now and then they're called cords whatever whatever <laughs> now everybody is now reverting back to the cords right as i got the airpods so i'm like this is just so fucking stupid i'm like this is crazy first world problems that is a very first world problem <laughs> yeah and every time i think about it i'm like you know there's people without fresh water so i think i'm like okay i think i'm fine i'm fine there's people that have to use single ply toilet paper <gasps> off brand bum bum imagine i can i won't i'm not going to nope (laughs) well back over at grand canaria island which is only about 70 miles away the bomb threat at grand canaria airport is cleared and the airport is reopened so 
Pan Am is ready to back taxi down the runway, but KLM is first in line in front of them. Not a big deal, until KLM also decides to completely refuel the airplane. Oh my god. Now, KLM actually had enough fuel to make it to Grand Canaria and refill there. Again, it's only 70 miles away. Yeah. But KLM's pilot, Captain Jacob Vanzanten, decided to save time and refuel at Los Rodeos. This takes about 35 minutes. <laughs> so that's a dick move on Van Zanten's part. Yeah. Because now all the other planes have to wait behind them. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough room on the small taxiway at Los Rodeos Airport for Pan Am to maneuver around KLM. This pisses off the crew of Pan Am, especially their pilot, Captain Victor Grubbs. Yeah. So finally, after completely refueling, air traffic control tells KLM to back taxi down to the end of the runway, where it will make a 180 degree turn and prepare for takeoff back down the runway. Now, while the runway and the taxiway are separate parallel lanes, there are four smaller lanes in between them to connect the two. So, while KLM is back taxiing down the runway, air traffic control instructs Pan Am to go ahead and follow KLM and then take the third exit off the runway before KLM would take off. Gotcha. This will lead Pan Am back to the taxiway, but it will also have bypassed all the other planes that are still in line. And after Pan Am exits the runway, air traffic control will give clearance for KLM to take off. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. So again, one more time. The plan is KLM will back taxi down to the end of the runway. Pan Am will follow and take the runway's third exit. This will put Pan Am back onto the taxiway, leaving the runway clear for KLM to take off. And after KLM takes off, Pan Am will enter the runway and follow KLM into the sky. Gotcha. Easy. Makes sense. Easy. Well, as solid as air traffic control's plan was, unfortunately, not everybody would follow their instructions. Of course. What's also unfortunate is that there are unusual weather patterns on the island of Tenerife. Tenerife Island is a decently sized island. Uh, It's just a tad larger than Maui. Mm. But it still only takes a few hours to drive around the entire island. Oh. Good sized island. Not large, though. Yeah. Tenerife also has some steep elevation changes. Los Rodeos Airport is at an elevation of just over 2,000 feet above sea level. But because it's a tropical island, the elevation change down to the beach is fast and steep. Mm. So down at the beach, you have clouds that are 2,000 feet in the air above you. Normal. Well, the winds blow these clouds inland, and because of the fast changes in land elevation, these clouds collide with the airport's ground level at 2,000 feet. Okay. Make sense? Yes. This creates some shitty visibility at the airport. Mm. And visibility is important when it comes to flying airplanes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of important, I'm not going to lie. Well, on March 27th, 1977, Los Rodeos Airport would experience these exact conditions. In my opinion, this was the most damning factor leading to the crash. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about all the factors, because believe me, there are many. Yeah. But even with everything else that takes place, this crash likely would not have happened without that fog. But we'll get into it shortly. Oh. That sucks. There are so many human elements to this, but I honestly believe that without that fog, this crash would not have happened. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awful. Yeah. So back at the end of the runway, KLM is starting its engines and the crew is preparing for takeoff. And at the same time, Pan Am is back taxing down the runway as planned and air traffic control instructs them to take the third exit. However, when the clouds roll up on the airport... This makes it difficult for Pan Am to see the exits. Mm. So the Pan Am crew had identified the first two runway exits, but because of how quickly the clouds rolled onto the runway, they missed the third exit. 
Okay. The clouds had blown in from the opposite end of the runway, behind Pan Am. So, at the other end of the runway, where a KLM is preparing for takeoff, the KLM crew still has excellent visibility. Mm. So, as Pan Am is backtaxing down the runway toward KLM, Pan Am's visibility is only about 300 feet ahead of them. Gotcha. Which isn't far, considering Los Rodeos' runway is about two miles long. Um, did you say what time of day this was all going on? 5 p.m. 5 p.m.? Okay, yep. cool. I did not say, but yeah, it's at 5 p.m. Okay. But, since the clouds had covered up Pan Am, KLM can't see that they're still on the runway. This is not great. Mm. Also, Pan Am can't see KLM preparing for takeoff through the fog. Also not great. Mm-hmm. And do you know who else couldn't see a damn thing? Air traffic control. I was just going to say the people up in the towers. Yep. And that's really not great. No. But again, visibility is only a fraction of the problems here. So before we get into more details of everything else that went wrong, let's talk about the crash itself. Oh, let's. But let me tell you, this is fucking brutal. Oh, God. This is a bad one. I feel bad because the passengers were probably just like, oh, delays and just sitting there. Can I get another vodka tonic? Yeah. What's that rumbling? Ugh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> so, as we know, clouds roll onto the airport and nobody can see shit through the fog. Between Pan Am, KLM, and the air traffic control tower, nobody can see anybody. And by the time KLM is ready for takeoff, the fog has gotten further toward KLM on the runway. So now KLM can't even see anything. Just sounds like a shit show. It is. So, KLM and the crew are prepping for takeoff. And as soon as KLM turns around at the end of the runway, Captain Van Zanten immediately gives power to the plane's engines and begins hauling ass down the runway, despite the fact that they don't have clearance from air traffic control. And Pan Am is still on the runway. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. By the time KLM realizes Pan Am is still on the runway ahead of them, Captain Van Zanten tries to lift off early. And as Pan Am realizes they're about to be drilled, Pan Am's Captain Grubbs turns the plane toward the edge of the runway, trying to escape KLM's path. Mm. So, at this point, Pan Am is perpendicular to the KLM airplane. Unfortunately, KLM's attempt at an early takeoff is a failure, and KLM, having barely left the ground, collides with Pan Am and then crash lands back on the other side of Pan Am and explodes in a giant ball of fire. Oh my god, that's awful. Just, I couldn't even think about the people on the planes, but the people who are also, like, witnessing. Imagine watching that from the airport. Oh god, no. I would immediately just be like okay that's cool and then leave i'm out yeah nope Mm -mm. now when klm crashed into pan am again pan am was facing sideways on the runway so when klm takes off the underside of klm tears through the upper half of pan am's fuselage in other words klm flies through the part of pan am where all the people are sitting oh god multiple of klm's engines which hang below the wings had sucked in debris from pan am (gasps) causing the engines to fail and explode. And also, KLM's right wing is severed on impact. This causes KLM to roll when it hits the runway. Oh my god. And let's not forget, just before takeoff, what did KLM do? Completely load up on fuel. Oh my god, no. Yes, so all of this fuel ignites as KLM hits the runway and creates an even bigger explosion than what would have normally happened. Holy shit. And it took hours for the fire to be completely extinguished by the rescue team. There were 248 passengers and crew on KLM, and they all died. That's awful. On Pan Am, there were 396 passengers and crew on board, and 335 of them were killed, leaving 61 survivors on Pan Am 
all of whom suffered various degrees of injuries. No, I don't like thinking about that at all. My friend Isaiah, he's a flight attendant. I don't like that's just awful. No, I I try to minimize my time on airplanes. Yeah. If I could drive, I'll drive. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I convince myself that it's cheaper, even though I know that it's it not. really isn't. It's not. But I'm still like, oh, might as well drive. But then everyone's like statistically or mo- more likely to be in a car accident. I'm like, yeah, but statistically i can avoid other drivers yeah (laughs) Yeah. so how does all of this happen there's a lot of reasons Mm. we'll start with what we already know number one most notably the visibility was shit Mm -hmm. again by the time klm was taking off down the runway both planes could only see a few hundred feet ahead of them and on a runway that's two miles long that's not enough also for reference the planes themselves are about 230 feet long so they can pretty much only see another plane ahead of them. Oh, okay. Like, imagine driving your car and only being able to see one car ahead of you directly. No, that freaks me out. No, no. uh-uh. If it's raining too hard, I'm like, oh, might as well go off on the side and I'll wait for it to stop. At least you have an SUV. <laughs> yeah, you're like... You feel somewhat safe in yeah. your car. I feel like a victim always. <laughs> I, I have a Honda Civic and I hate it. I yeah. know everybody raves about Honda Civics. This is the biggest piece of shit I've ever driven. Oh, I, I thought it was right there, but that's... No. No. I have a Nissan Rogue 2019. I support Nissan. I love her. Yeah, she's great. It looks sharp, too. It's all black. I just cleaned it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I noticed. The, I noticed. I did the inside and the outside. Mm-hmm. I vacuumed it. Yeah. She was getting dirty. A little bit nasty. I love it. Yeah. The second contributing factor was Los Rodeos Airport was entirely too crowded with airplanes. The fact that such large airliners were back taxiing down the runway adds complications to the entire scenario from the start. Yeah. It stresses the pilots out. It stresses air traffic control out. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not used to having this many planes to control, for lack of a better word. Especially for like a tiny island that, like you said, only took hours to drive around. Exactly. Yeah. Thirdly, instructions weren't followed. Pan Am didn't take the third exit from the runway while back taxiing toward KLM. There are two parts to this factor. The first, granted, Captain Grubbs and his crew on Pan Am couldn't see the third exit because of how quickly the clouds had rolled in. Mm -hmm. The second part is, taking the third exit would have required Pan Am to make a sharp 148-degree turn. Basically, Captain Grubbs would have had to pivot the plane sharply, aiming the Pan Am plane almost in the complete opposite direction. Then, Pan Am would have had to make another 148-degree pivot off of the exit strip back onto the taxiway. And with all the other airplanes waiting on the taxiway, there wouldn't have been enough room for Pan Am to maneuver around them. This was later determined to likely have been impossible for Captain Grubbs to do. I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, they're 200 feet long and you're expecting them to make those kind of sharp turns? No. So even if Pan Am had followed air traffic control's instructions, it's very possible that Pan Am would have still been on the runway, with the pilot struggling to maneuver the plane toward the third exit in a timely manner. But regardless of all of this, because Pan Am missed the third exit, Captain Grubbs decided to continue onward and take the fourth exit. Also, it's worth noting that taking the fourth exit would have only been a slight turn instead of a 148-degree turn Mm -hmm. into an area with no traffic waiting on the taxiway. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Double also, Captain Grubbs relays this information to air traffic control. Oh, and then was air... So air traffic control knows what he's doing at the time. Okay. Captain Grubbs has dotted his I's and crossed his T's. Yeah, so he's like completely like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is fine, this is safe. KLM, however, is also guilty of not following instructions, and for a lot of reasons, Mm. way more than Pan Am. 
But initially, KLM's first fuck-up was completely refueling at Los Rodeos. One, this delayed the rest of the flights, including themselves. Two, this delay allowed more time for the fog to roll in. And three, it made KLM notably heavier, which would increase the distance required for KLM to reach takeoff speed. I'm surprised someone was like, no, you can't feel. There probably Mm -hmm. wasn't staff to enforce that. Okay. Yeah, because you said it's such a small airport. It's a small airport, and it was completely overrun with all these airplanes. Yeah, so they were probably like, whatever, fuck it. Yeah. So, collectively, everybody needed to do a better job at following instructions. Mm -hmm. However, in second place for the biggest factor that led to the crash was the absolute lack of communication between Pan Am, KLM, and air traffic control. Mm. Specifically, the KLM crew and air traffic control share the 1977 award for shittiest communication in a drama-slash-action series. <laughs> Leading up to the crash, KLM, Pan Am, and Air Traffic Control are all on the same radio channel. So when one person radios the other, all three hear the communication. It's like a three-way call. Yeah. Now remember, when KLM finished backtaxing and reached the end of the runway, Captain Van Zanten immediately started the engines and began taking off. But wait... What about clearance, you may ask? (laughs) Well, as Captain Van Zanten started the engines, his co-pilot points out that they never received clearance for takeoff from the control tower. Oh, so he's like, hey. Hey. So Van Zanten tells his co-pilot, I know that. Go ahead and ask. Sounds a bit condescending. Yeah, um, do you? And that's a direct quote because we have the recordings. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. So as the co-pilot is radioing back to the control tower that they are in position for takeoff, the co-pilot says, we are now at takeoff. This is a boo-boo because we are now at takeoff is non-standard terminology, which is likely to have confused the control tower. What the co-pilot meant to convey is that they were actively taking off, whereas air traffic control interpreted that KLM was ready for takeoff. Okay. But before there is any clarification between KLM and air traffic control, Captain Van Zanten interrupts his co-pilot and controls conversation by saying, we're going. Oh, that just sounds so forward of him just being, you know what? Yeah, we're going. I'm, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, very dismissive. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, control responds by saying, okay, which is also not standard terminology. <laughs> this just sounds like a conversation you have at a coffee shop. Hey, we're going. Okay. This sounds like two old men with dementia talking to each other. <laughs> Or two four-year-old boys talking to each other, yeah, yeah. one or the other. They're trying to plan something. Hey, we're going. Okay, bye. Or two drunk sorority girls. Yeah, always leads back to that. It always does. Yeah. <laughs> so, Captain Van Zanten assumes he has clearance. And it's at this point that KLM starts heading down the runway for takeoff. But, air traffic control wasn't finished giving KLM instructions. Mm. Control's full response was, okay. Stand by for takeoff. I will call you. However, at the same time Control radioed that response, Pan Am radioed the control tower. The combination of Control's response and Pan Am's communication at the same time resulted in feedback on KLM's radio alone. Oh, no. So they... Oh, God, that's awful. So KLM only hears okay. Oh, my... Oh, my God. So what was Pan Am's communication that caused the feedback? It was Pan Am's Captain Grubb saying, we're still taxing down the runway, in response to hearing that KLM was seeking clearance. Mm -hmm. So, the only thing that Captain Van Zanten hears after he says they're taking off is, okay, and then feedback. He never hears the message that Pan Am is on the runway, 
or that they are not clear for takeoff yet. But neither Pan Am or Control are aware that KLM hasn't heard the communication because the feedback was only on KLM's radio. Gotcha. Oh, that's so shitty. Now, the next communication on the radios was Control to Pan Am, instructing Pan Am to report when they were clear of the runway. Pan Am repeats back, okay, we'll report when we're clear. Mm -hmm. The flight engineer on KLM hears this and quickly asks Captain Van Zanten if Pan Am has cleared the runway yet. And Van Zanten responds, oh yes. In multiple places, I saw that the captain says, oh yes, quote unquote, emphatically. So that tells me he was either annoyed or just mocking his crew. Yeah. Just being an asshole. Both. He just, just sounds like... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're clear. Yeah. Bro, come on. Yeah. But regardless of the captain's tone, 14 seconds later, KLM Flight 4805 would tear through the side of Pan Am Flight 1736, causing an accident that would result in a total of 583 brutal deaths. That's so... So awful. It's so unnecessary. It is very unnecessary. Uh, Yeah. Of these deaths, again, all 248 people on KLM Flight 4805 were killed. There were 238 passengers and 14 crewmen. On Pan Am Flight 1736, 335 passengers and crew were killed. The captain, co-pilot, and flight engineer on Pan Am survived, but by an extremely narrow margin. Oh. They had all ducked at the last minute seeing KLM heading toward them, which likely saved their lives, because the top part of the cockpit had been destroyed in the collision, but not the bottom half. Oh, my God. Just a split decision. Mm -hmm. Initially, there had been 70 survivors on Pan Am, but nine later would die from their injuries. Also, the survivors had climbed out onto the wing of the Pan Am airplane, waiting for rescue. But it doesn't come for a long time. Why? because there was so much smoke from KLM's explosion that the rescuers didn't realize that there was a second plane still on the runway. How? Like how did There they... was that much smoke and it was that thick. Remember, they oh, filled up entirely. That's right. There is a shitload of fuel yeah. burning. Oh my god. Now, official reports from the recorders inside the KLM cockpit showed that the co-pilot and flight engineer both had questioned the captain's decision to proceed with the takeoff, but neither were insistent enough to further challenge him when he dismissed their concerns. Inside the Pan Am cockpit, Captain Grubbs and his co-pilot both agreed that Captain Van Zanten seemed a bit anxious. (laughs) The Pan Am flight engineer actually said, quote, yeah, after he held us up for an hour and a half, that bastard, now he's in a rush. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's so real. That's like so true. Now, while I do love a good shit-talking environment, I think this really highlights how obvious it was that KLM was in a hurry to take off. Yeah. Why, though? We'll get there. Oh, God. And, of course, being in a hurry opens everybody up for a much larger margin of error. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, obviously, a massive investigation follows this accident. And, surprise, surprise, this disaster is riddled with human elements, most of which are the fault of KLM. Yep. Remember how the Pan Am crew mentioned how Captain Van Zanten sounded anxious? Mm -hmm. This was because the KLM crew was worried about exceeding their maximum legal hours of on-duty operation for the day. So KLM was, in fact, in a hurry to take off. This is also why KLM decided to refuel at Los Rodeos so they wouldn't have to wait in line to fill up at Gran Canaria, a much larger airport. Oh my god, who? Oh my god. Like, bro, fuck off. Yeah, seriously, who cares? Who cares? Uh just just wait 
I mean, it's hypocritical for me to tell anyone to wait. I have the <laughs> least patience yeah. of almost everyone I know in my life. But if I'm flying a plane full of 300 some people, I'm a wait. Yeah. Just what? What are you going to do? When I'm at work and I'm taking care of my patients, mm-hmm. I wait. Yeah. There's it's, like, there's, it's that simple. Yeah, that's your job. Nothing else that like, you're there's, shit out of luck. You just have to wait. That's how it is, man. Yeah. The investigation also confirmed that the co-pilot and flight engineer on KLM had made comments about Pan Am still being on the runway. But again, Captain Van Zant dismissed them and nobody challenged him. How many times have we talked about toxic work environments yeah, on this? all the time. And they, it, there's always a problem with it. Always. And, and shocker, it always results in people dying. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Nothing Make ever it gets make solved. sense. No, nothing ever gets solved. <laughs> I'll say it again. We don't learn. No. Nobody learns. No one. Mm-hmm. No. It like history repeats itself. That's always, all we're doing. Always. We're yeah. on repeat. We are. Shuffle and repeat. Yep. It was also noted that while Captain Van Zanten had over 10 years of experience as a pilot and flight instructor, he hadn't flown for 12 weeks prior to this flight. Interesting. Why? I don't know. I'm sure I could find out, but I didn't. I take a week off of work and I come back and I'm like, I forget how to do everything. Like, mm-hmm. And I have to like take a second to figure it out. 12 weeks. No, I want him in one of those digital like flying rooms. I don't yeah. know if they had those back in the 70s. Flight simulators? Yeah. I doubt it. Maybe they no, could. they did. In one of the articles, I read that he did teach with flight simulators. Oh. They probably were less high tech. Yeah. Yeah. But than still, they are today. But I would feel like 12 weeks. So three months off work. No. Mm-mm. Even if you know exactly what you're doing, your mindset isn't back into the flow of work. No, you're still like on vacation. You've done that a lot. Is there a reason? Like, are we doing? I think. I think I was. Is this just residual from Nashville? I was just gonna say that from Nashville, and then also if you do if you do to Luella, she'll start dancing. Oh, will she? Yeah. Or you go dancey, 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 and she'll go. You know the baby, the surfer waves. Luella is Liv's first niece. I love her. And I think she's my, I think she's my first cousin once removed. Oh, yeah, because. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing that. She's my second cousin. Yeah, I was just going to say. I thought once removed meant there was a divorce involved. <laughs> I but think it's, it's like, just like a different Like my name. first cousin's child is my first cousin once removed. Yeah. But that doesn't That's make so sense confusing. to me. I'm calling her second cousin. Yeah. Then what the hell is a second cousin? Exactly. Yeah. I, I have no fucking idea. Nothing no. ever makes sense. Nothing even matters anymore. <laughs> I wonder if my singing voice sounded good on this. No, we start, I don't sing well. We nix the podcast. We start a band. Can we call it <gasps> like the Brady Bunch? Just call it the Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright infringement keep and everything. On, keep on, keep on, keep on dancing to the morning light. The Brady Bunch movie where they make fun of the Brady Bunch. There's a Brady Bunch movie. Ian. What? Ian. Who's in it? I don't even like. The, famous people or is it just like an indie film i think it's either famous is people. fine i just don't know anybody who's famous have you ever seen where she goes sure jan that's where that's from i thought it was just from the brady bunch she goes, george george glass and then uh or he goes she goes george george tropicana and then he goes oh is he cuban <laughs> and she goes no fuck? george george glass and then um uh the pretty one i forget her name she goes ah, i don't know a george glass at our school and she's like, yeah, he's new. He just transferred. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah, Marsha. Yeah, that's Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I need to watch this it's immediately. It's fucking hilarious. You, you would love it. You would love it. I'm so surprised that you didn't see it. I mean, I learned about Air Force One and Iron Man 3, so 
I'm so not really all, a staple of learning about good culture, movies. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> okay, okay. So there's another interesting find during the investigation that came from inside of the air traffic control tower. Oh. And this is my favorite nugget of information from the entire accident. Mm. On the cockpit recordings from both Pan Am and KLM, sounds can be heard in the background of the controls communications. These sounds are of a football game, which suggests that the control crew was distracted with sports. No. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait. Which, they were watching football. Which, which flight? No, it was air traffic control that was watching <gasps> football. Oh, my God. So there's that much fog on the runway. Air traffic control can't see them. And they're watching the game, man. They said, hey, sports. Sports. Sports, baby. Sports in a Boston accent. Yeah. <laughs> boo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Kick a field goal. Football. Make a score. Make a score. Team. For your ma. Team. Team. Hey. Team building. Yeah. Slap your ass. <laughs> it's not gay. Peanuts. <laughs> Beer. Ten cents. <laughs> Steal a plate from home base. <laughs> Now, as you can imagine, there were lawsuits on lawsuits oh, over yeah. this. Good. Right. And eventually, KLM did take responsibility for the accident. Okay. As they should. Yeah. KLM would end up paying an average of $189,000 per victim for both passengers on the KLM and Pan Am flights. Gotcha. $189,000 in 1977. Liv, what's that today? $1.2 million. You've done better. $948,000. Yeah. But in total, KLM would pay about $110 million once the entire settlement was taken care of. Oh, wow. How much is $110 million today? I can't even guess. I don't know. Well, it ruins the show if you don't guess. Okay. Well, no, I'm guessing $200 million. $552 million. Oh. Oh, you should just go home. Yeah, I should. I'm not good at math. Well, we're not done yet, so you can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're <laughs> not said, done yet. Stay. No. Stay. <laughs> Auto stay. Auto stay. Now, there were actually two memorials created for the victims of this crash. One is for the victims of the KLM flight, and that one's in Amsterdam. And the other memorial is in Westminster, California. Oh. And that is the story of the Tenerife Airport disaster in 1977. That is crazy. That's crazy. I've never heard of that. This didn't need to happen. No, it did That's not. That's what I can't get over. Like, Captain Van Zandt was just a fucking douche. Yeah. Fuck that guy. There's so much, like, miscommunication between air traffic control. Miss and lack thereof. And that, again, frustrates me. And I just cannot. I will be thinking about this for, I think, the rest of the week. Just the passengers just sitting there so oblivious of what's going on. They just assume that they had a reroute for something. Yeah. And then because there's no well, cell they phones. Well, they knew about the bombing. So oh, they knew yeah, why but, they had landed and everything. But still, they're just like, okay, like, that's fine. Whatever. Everything's be, fine. Yeah. We're going to be safe at this airport since there's a bombing at the other one. Oh, God. That's just so frustrating to me. What really does it for me is that all these people were just going on vacation, too. Yeah. Oh, they're probably so excited. It makes me never want to go on vacation again. I know. I'm just going to stay in Ohio. Not even uh, stuck in Ohio like people say. I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> I'm such a homebody. I, I love yeah. I love that I have friends now that are living other places. Like Pete living in California. Mm-hmm. Hey, Pete. Pete just got engaged. Him and Carolyn got engaged. <gasps> really? Yeah, they did. That's so exciting. I know. I, I remember know. you telling me that he was like planning to He was to thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. For like two days, I kept thinking, I need to text Pete. Like, I haven't talked to him in like a week. Yeah. And then I woke up the one morning. I'm like, I son of a bitch. I bet he did it. Yeah. And then uh, 
Pete, you need a new phone. His phone sucks. Um, I am calling you out on your phone, Pete. I fucking hate your phone. <laughs> he said, hey. Um, Carolyn's told you to get a new one. But his phone didn't, or my phone didn't receive the messages from his phone. And the messages were from two days prior. And there were pictures of the engagement. Oh. So I text Pete. I'm like, hey, what, uh, what's going on, buddy? He's like, didn't you get the pictures? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, your phone's old as dirt. Like, <laughs> I don't even think it's that old. It's just, it's an Android. Oh, wah, wah. It's an Android that's over a year old. Pete, I think I met you once five years ago. Get an iPhone. Come on, man. Just get an iPhone. Carolyn, if you love me, make Pete get an iPhone. Does she have an iPhone? Of course she does. She's awesome. So she gets it. Yeah, she gets it. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Now she's getting all I the think green Pete, text messages. I think Pete's just doing it to be different. Oh, to be like, Androids are fine. Are they Pete? He's explained to me why he doesn't have one before, and yeah. I just tune out. Well, that's like Matt Ibis once. Is he the same way? He now has an iPhone, but for a bit, he got like... I think it was like a flip phone. I mean, I support that. Yeah. I would love for us all to go back to flip phones. I. With iPods. That's what I. I literally, give me my iPod. I just want to listen to music. Give me a music. flip phone. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's how I was like when I first got my first phone was literally it was a flip phone. And then Alexa gave me her iPod. And then she got an iPhone. Perfect. And Everything's I was like, this fine. Is, this is fine. I don't have any qualms with this. Social media was fun. And now it just feels like a chore. Social media is a chore. We. I. That could be a whole on that's a disaster three hour podcast i could talk about that forever and that wouldn't even touch farmville no <laughs> uh no i lived on farmville farmville was my life so did alexa yeah. i remember her i remember the one time i said to her why don't you just go out and garden an actual farm and she was like that's stupid i'm like you were sitting in the basement building a digital farm on facebook at least if you go out and do that we'll have fresh tomatoes <laughs> fucking tell me it's stupid you're stupid Lex you're stupid now you're mad like you're like god damn it and I can see both of us having this argument with family guy on in the background yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh all right well, let's move on to the blame game again congrats Pete congrats Carolyn love you both congratulations that's so exciting I know all right blame game time best part of the episode oh yeah all right so again blame game we rate the disaster on three different categories was it predictable? Was it preventable? And Liv, was it avoidable once the disaster had begun? I think so. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Each category is rated on a scale of 0 to 5. A total score of 3 or lower means this was a true disaster. And a score of 10 or higher means we get to what, Liv? We get to place a blame. We got to point a finger. We're going to point lots of fingers oh, in yeah. this one. Oh, yeah. So, starting off with predictability. Liv, what did I give this one? Just uh, five. Of course. This one got a five. <laughs> if you can't see through the dense fog, nobody is communicating, and you're in a rush, and just an all-around cocky douchebag, <clears throat> Captain Van Zanten, <laughs> then yeah, it's pretty easy to predict that something will go wrong. Yeah. Just don't move. Or just wait for instructions. Or just do your fucking job. Yeah. Just listen. Put your ego aside for about four seconds yeah. and do your job Don't the right way. Don't worry about wasting money or whatever the problem was that they were in a rush. If other professionals are saying, hey, um, I think we're doing this wrong, perhaps listen. Mm -hmm. Just perhaps. Yeah. At a, at, it's called wanting to do your job yeah. the right way. Yep. Because that's what you're getting paid to do. Yep. In the case of Captain Van Zanten, you have 200 plus lives that depend on it. Mm -hmm. Bro. Come on. If not for them, for your own life. Yeah. Dude. All right. So predictability gets a five out of five. Mm -hmm. 
preventability. Five. Five. <laughs> One word. Clearance. Yeah. <laughs> did you have it or didn't you? Mm-mm-mm. Need I say more? Yeah. Then that leaves avoidability. Do you have a guess? Three. Three or four. So I actually went back and forth on this one. Yeah. Since I define avoidability on being able to physically move away from the disaster once it began. And this disaster really began when everyone was redirected to Los Rodeos Airport. To me, that means avoiding this disaster would just involve not taking off without clearance. This one was really tied in closely with preventability just by the nature of the accident. Mm -hmm. I gave this a five. Oh, shit. Five, five, and five. This is a 15 out of 15. This was completely fucking avoidable. Yes. Okay. You know what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I assumed that it was like once the disaster happened, like once the two planes like collided with each other, how could you avoid it? The disaster was already set in motion once Los Rodeos Airport was overwhelmed. Yeah. So you're right. The overwhelming of Los Rodeos Airport put stress on everybody, Mm -hmm. which was the start of the snowball effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five. I agree. It did. I sat here for a while thinking about this. Yeah. That's very like a volley. Yeah. So yeah. In total, this disaster gets a 15 out of 15. So pointless. That's and frustrating when we talk about ones like these where there are so many different factors that you could have avoided where this could have never happened. There were so many opportunities for this not to happen. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it so frustrating. And the fact that lives were lost because of it, because one guy... a lot too. And in such a brutal way, man. Can you imagine just getting blown Mm -hmm. apart? I mean, it would probably be instant is my guess. But what if it wasn't? Yeah. Like, awful. Awful. So... Because this is at least the 10 or above, we get to assign blame. That's so crazy. <laughs> I wonder who it could be. Who? Who? Yes, you in the back. Yeah, I'd like to blame Van Zanten. Correct. That one, yes. yes. Van Zanten is yeah. correct, yes. <laughs> uh, Captain Van Zanten, dude. Bro, yeah. fuck off. And also, <laughs> all I have to uh, say. air traffic control who's watching a fucking football game. Really? Um, After, like, with all of this chaos happening. Just turn the radio just, on like a normal yeah. job and have that in the background. Yeah, or nothing. Or bullshit with your colleagues. Yeah. Talk shit about your other colleagues behind their backs like normal people. Yeah, it's fun. When there's heavy <laughs> fog. <laughs> it is fun. It's so much fun. But when there's heavy fog on the runway. Just focus there. Yeah, and then once that's cleared, by all means. Once all those planes are gone, you're probably not going to see another plane at Los Rodeos Airport for another day. Yeah. Pull it's up. not a large airport. Yeah. Sit back and relax. Yeah, seriously. But honestly, they were probably stressed out too. They're not used to dealing with that many. Oh, 100%. So you would think that they would be like, okay, no distractions. We're focusing up. I don't know. At this point in my life, I no longer assume what people think. No, me neither. You know what they say about assuming? Makes an ass out of you and me. Or in this case, just Van Zandt. Oh, oh. Every time you've said that, I say, no, 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 but it's just this person. (laughs) (laughs) Someone makes a compilation of like, all the times you said that. Yeah. <laughs> and all the times I'm like, yeah, but in this yeah. case. Mm. Um, again, I almost gave the smallest fraction of blame to Captain Grubbs, but I'm not. Because again, like we talked about, even though he didn't take exit three, it was for a legitimate reason. He yeah. missed it. It's a new airport. He's stressed out. But when he didn't take it, he called air traffic control and told them. Yeah. He, he, he said more the... than once, we're still on the runway. Mm-hmm. What else can you do? He followed the rules of like, If that ever happened, you know? Yeah. He completely did. Yeah. So yeah, there you have it. Wild. What a time. A lot of my disasters, I feel like, have been in the 70s and 80s. Uh, We've got one more that'll put us in the 80s. 
and then I've got like three or four lined up that are like 1940 and earlier. Oh, okay. Yes. So a lot of like early 1900s ones. Yeah. I think one of them is the late 1800s, which you know I love. Oh. Actually, no, I think it's like 1903, but like yeah. right in there, right in my favorite time. That's like, I have some that are in the 80s. I think I have three that I kind of want to cover that are in the 80s. Yeah. I feel like largely I look at ones that are 70s, 80s, early 1900s, yeah. late 1800s, and then nowadays. Because it's just wild that no one it's funny that disasters kind of happen like in clusters Mm -hmm. or it's just where i'm looking yeah (laughs) or it's just the ones that pop up (laughs) yeah it's the algorithm it is the algorithm uh i said that as a joke i wonder if it is i'm fine with it because i'm finding a ton of disasters that i love learning about oh yeah oh yeah hey i think you would know more about that than i would probably because once you search something your cookies are everywhere so it's suggesting other things for you but I'm not on Google's advertisement, so. What would your cookie be? What do you mean? The cookies you leave behind. What kind of cookies are you leaving behind? Uh, butterscotch. Oatmeal scotchies. They're my favorite. Have you ever had those? No. What's that? I'll make them for you. I have. I was going to make them tomorrow. So oh, Please do. They're what's so... an oatmeal scotchy? Um, oatmeal, cinnamon, uh, brown sugar, obviously flour, um, like butterscotch morsels. They like melt in oh, your that mouth. That sounds good. They're my favorite. I think, I think I'm a ch- um, oatmeal chocolate chip. Ooh, see? Yeah. All right, Liv. You ready to tell me what you learned? Absolutely, I am. Let's do it. Okay. I learned that if you take 12 weeks off, you need to have a small training session when you come back. That's fair. That just makes the most sense to me. You are off for three months. You just need a little refresher. There's nothing wrong with just that. Just a day. Yeah. I One would, day. I would request that. Even just to get your mind back in the mindset of working. Yeah. It's not saying that you don't know how to do your job. It's just you've been out of work for three months. You need to have a little... Mental health goes both ways. Take a break off for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Take a day when you come back so you have the mentality to yeah. be back at work. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, second, if you're in a rush, no, you are not. You need to calm down. That's another thing that I learned. You're fine. I'm trying to learn that myself. Yeah. Unless this doesn't apply to like ambulances. You're in a rush. Someone's in there. Someone needs to go to the hospital. Other than that, if you're in traffic and you're beeping your horn, what are you going to do? It makes you feel better. It does it. In the moment, it sure does. Yes. (laughs) As someone with crippling mental instability. Yes, it does make me feel better. Okay. All right. Three. Hey, I'm going to honk my horn or drive off the road. So it's either you you choose, you know? It's a choose. Yeah, no, yeah. I honk. Yeah, it's I a honk. choose your own adventure. <laughs> um, three, I don't know if I want to ride in planes anymore. So um, we need to get back on the topic where there's a railroad system throughout the entire Dude, US. Dude, I want that. I want I, that so much. I dream about that. You can take a nap on a train. Yeah. And there's no collisions unless you do it on purpose. Um, actually, one of my disasters right. I have queued yeah. up in the next, mm-hmm. I think, four or five episodes shuts that theory down. Okay, but still, I want, I want Much trains. Much less. I want trains. Less scary, not in the sky. They have a drinking cart. I'm sorry. That just sounds so fun. They have a drinking cart. You can, like, request Drinking a cart bed. and a napping cart. Yeah, I need it. And they have, like, a full, like, kitchen sometimes, too. If you're, like... Like, your own personal kitchen? Well, no, 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 no. Like, they'll be Oh, in the but, like, the like, train cart has its own kitchen. Yeah, like, they'll give you, like... It's oh, more yeah. than peanuts and stale pretzels. Grilled cheese. Yes. Sandwiches. Grilled cheese and fries. Yeah, that's that's all I need. That is all I need. Yeah. Chicken fingers. Oh, my God. Yum. But, yeah, I want, I want a train system. I support that. And I want that. it now. Yeah. It's my train system, and I <laughs> want it now. 
But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Oh, also, I saw Jurassic Park live at Blossom Music Center. Oh, I'm so mad. Well, when I say Jurassic Park live, I mean the Cleveland Orchestra played the score. (laughs) There were no live dinosaurs. Uh, Yeah, no, it was awesome. The Cleveland Orchestra was fantastic. Like I told you, we saw Star Wars. I'm so it. mad I didn't know about that. I think they're doing, again, back to um, Spider-Man. I think they're doing uh, Into the Spider-Verse with that. So if they come to Cleveland, I, one- I would watch that. 100%. I'm getting a ticket. We'll have to go. And then we can go see Barbenheimer. Yes. Everyone, go see Barbenheimer. How I... how do you want to see that? Because like I feel like I'm going to Barbie see- first. Barbie first. See, I want to end on a like a fun, silly, girly pop. I want to laugh, and then the laughter eases me into- watching something serious okay get the goos out of i mean i don't care in which order either order is going to be fantastic yeah i think i want to see oppenheimer first and then go eat olive garden someone tweeted this go to Olive Garden. unpack what you just saw yeah and discuss it eat olive garden shove breadsticks in my mouth until i can't breathe and then go see barbie and then after barbie go get ice cream and then eat the ice cream and then discuss barbie do we have to talk like barbie did yeah okay i mean it's part of the experience at this point if you don't know what Barbenheimer is, it's the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer opening on the same weekend. And it's especially fantastic because Tom Cruise got pissed as shit because, what is it, Mission Impossible 9, 10, 11, I don't know, fucking 35. Know. Fuck Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, he's pissed because Barbie and Oppenheimer are taking up all the IMAX screens. So now Mission Impossible can't be on as many IMAX screens as he wants. Womp womp. Go cry. Dude, Tom Cruise. We've talked about him before. We'll talk about him again. I hate him. Yeah, stay mad. So that's why I really want to go see the Barbenheimer special. Mm -hmm. The Barbenheimer special. It's just, and it's just become such like a huge like social phenomenon where I'm like, if I miss this, if I miss, I don't even need to see it like opening, you know, like I can wait. Oh no, I'll. I want to see it. We're going to see it together, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I just want to see it like back to back. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fun. It seems like something like a very summery, like fun thing to do. Everyone's hyping it up. And there's t-shirts. And there's t-shirts. And I know for a fact I'm going to thoroughly enjoy both movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. You're like, get out. Get out. That's right, right. All right. Anything else you want to say? Um, I love you. Go see Barbenheimer. Go, yeah, go see Barbenheimer. And um, that's all our points for the night. Yeah. Oh, and don't fly. Yeah, don't fly. And congrats, Pete and Carolyn. Yeah. Yay. Two of my favorite people. All right, guys. Have a good night. Be safe. Bye. Carolyn, if you love me, make Pete get an iPhone.